open the door for somebody else. Hi, everyone. Kara is the first one to join us on the vaccine conversation. Hey, hey, hey Jessica, I can't read. What's that funny is like lean in close. <laughs> like, can you see that? We have to push I it so far that. back to be able to like see both of us, but then we can't. Um, we can't like yeah. see your names and your questions. Yeah. So I apologize. We're not going to be directly addressing everybody on this, right, but we just right. wanted to at least um, show you um, live hmm. podcasting. Yeah. See the, see, uh, these are our digs. You can't see much of it, but uh, <laughs> oh, I guess, well, we haven't even welcomed our listeners into the show yet. We are recording. This yeah. will end up airing uh, We're next on Facebook week. Live, by the way, for those of our podcast listeners that are going to hear oh, this yeah. later. So, so hello, podcast. We're on Facebook Live. Hello, Facebook <laughs> Live. We're podcasting. Yes, so, well, <laughs> We're just yeah. going to do a little bit of Facebook Live for the beginning of this episode, yeah. and uh, we'll continue it um, off video um, just so that we can get back to business. It's hard to really concentrate mm-hmm. knowing that camera's right, right there, <laughs> but yeah, we will do um, perhaps an in-person live uh, podcast in Orange County. So for any of you guys in Orange County, we want to maybe look towards a vaccine conversation live yeah. in person in an evening, one evening where we can all come together, have an audience and we can do questions, answers, and we will record that and then end up putting that live on, um, on our iTunes and yeah. Spotify and everywhere else where we have the vaccine conversation. So but we first, have to, you, have to, you, have to, you have to welcome us. You have to always, watch how Dr. Bob interrupts. <laughs> you have to it's do It's not always me. I know, okay, but okay, well, it's I'll funnier it when time. you do okay. it. So this is where like the music kind of comes in. He says, in. welcome in. Okay, right, right. Wait, is that welcome in? Is that yeah, right? No, okay. Welcome, everybody, to the vaccine conversation with Melissa and Dr. Bob. And I, I don't know when you have not laughed. I know. I laugh every single did, time. I think it's funny. That, so so right. make sure you look okay. well, so that people can see you, too. Okay. They need right, to see right. you. Right. Right. Um, but yes, I think it's funny. The intros are kind of funny. Oh, wait. Boring. Where's where's my donut? <laughs> oh, no. Are you going to Facebook Live oh, that? Oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. It is sweet, No right? pun intended. Dude. Look at guys. Sidecar donuts. Gluten free. free. It's kind of like I wouldn't normally go for rainbow sprinkles. <laughs> Don't lie, you love rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> but like they make one gluten free donut every week. Yes, right? and so, actually that's one so of my favorite flavors. Yeah. So I picked them up with my kids Thank yesterday. You. They got a half a donut each. This is how we. Half a donut. Yeah, this is how we sort of cheat. Um, is, I, I won't is, use the donut bags. That's too loud. Is a half a donut. So they got that, and <laughs> I knew it, I would get all sorts of crap from him if I didn't pick one up for him too. So, and luckily it was only a day. If it would have yes. been earlier in the week, that wouldn't have lasted. Thank you very so, much. Right. You're welcome. And well, just proof that I do do mm. the cooking for some of this grain-free stuff. I also mm-hmm. brought really great mm. apple cinnamon muffin um, that well, I get from- That sounds way better than the and no, no. donut. No, no. Check this out. <laughs> Check this out though. Zero sugar. Like there is actually zero sugar. Oh, and it's if, getting better as you describe it. <laughs> but if you eat it after eating that, it's going to taste like zero okay, sugar. Right. But this it's just right, proof. There we go. He only mm-hmm. got one muffin because we want the rest at home. <laughs> I'll save that for later. These are from Paleo Running Mama is where I get all mm. my um, recipes. And what I do is I, I adjust them to reduce the sugar levels. So I, what would call for six tablespoons of coconut sugar, what I do is I make it four tablespoons of monk fruit, two tablespoons of swerve or something like that. And that's a way to just allow me to feel better about giving my kids two because, of course, they don't just want one. And yeah. um, and why do we really need the extra sugar? So anyway, he's I get a lot of crap that I don't ever bring stuff. So <laughs> yesterday we made these with the yes. kids, and I brought one today in addition to the donut. So 
he's killing it right now. Yes, thank you very much. And thank actually, just in time for Dr. Bob's birthday is coming up next week. Oh, yes, so is. this is sort of yeah. good timing on that. Yeah. It's funny. We always had this rule growing up. Our, our kids could have um, uh, a limit of two cookies. Like whenever we made cookies, always two cookies. In fact, all right, my oldest kid, that was his first two-word phrase. Oh, my God. Really? Was two cookies. That's hilarious. The first thing he said. But yeah, see, wouldn't you rather have four and feel be- like feel okay with giving your kids four? See, I, I yeah. like the idea yeah. that I can lower sugar levels and make sure they're grain-free and, and have good healthy fats and stuff because then I can say, yeah, you can have this for breakfast. Yeah, you can have it for lunch. Mm-hmm. You can have it for dinner. And no, there's not really a limit. Um, so I feel better about yeah. that, like, which is good. It's nice that we have those options now. That wasn't always available back in your time. <laughs> Did back I mention he's turning 50? He's yes. turning 50 yeah. this Next week. week. Next which week, is, yeah. and I had a big birthday last, la, my last yeah, year, and you yeah. had a big birthday this your, year. Your 30th so. birthday. Yeah, my 30th year. birthday. Yeah. I know. Right. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> so but anyway. Gonna, are we going to keep uh, Facebook yeah. living? Or, uh, oh, no, we're going to still, for, for this intro stuff, I want okay. a Facebook okay, live. Okay, yeah, okay. I feel like, I don't know, I feel, it feels awkward. Conflicted. I, I feel like, like on camera. I know. Uh, but you I weren't made for the stage, huh? I was not. No. No. Anyway, yeah, you well, intro us him. and I'll, I'll eat some more donuts. Okay, you eat donuts. See, I'm a singer for those of you that don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm used to kind of uh, the stage, I guess. Um, and I'm used to being in front of a camera if I have to be. So I've learned to make it work. But I know for certain not everybody likes that. <laughs> and it <laughs> is uncomfortable. And it can absolutely be hard to stay focused. Like eating a donut and being on camera mm-hmm. and having to podcast for you is clearly too much. <laughs> Are you able to yeah. sustain? Yes, I am. Okay, so we're going to uh, be talking about the rest of the Senate hearing on this actual podcast. Oh, you told me to sit up straight. Sorry. Yeah, sit up straight. Over. Okay. But, uh, yeah. but what I wanted to – two things I wanted to address. I posted this last night. Okay, so there are 17 cases of measles in Vancouver. And what's so interesting – 17? 17. It's so many. Okay. It's that okay. many. 17. Right. Oh. Well, no, when we I first heard about it, I think it was just a few or something. Mm-hmm. But okay. Right. Okay, and so – Anyway, what I found was interesting is uh, I started looking at the articles for Vancouver. And of course, not being United States media, they tend to cover things slightly differently because we're talking about Canada. Like telling the truth. Like being a little more transparent. So, for example, one of the the articles that I found, um, and I'm looking through his thing, uh, (laughs) the title is literally, Do Not Call 911 (laughs) If You Think You Have Measles. This is according to a paramedic. This is the advice they're giving. Do not call 911, you guys, if you have the measles. And then this was tweeted by, I don't know who this, like, I don't know if this is a news person or a police person or something. But anyway, the same person that posted that article tweeted saying, stay home if you think you have measles. Definitely don't call 911. And it says they they don't want emergency only phone calls getting clogged up with nuisance calls. And so I thought about that. So if if a call about measles is a nuisance, because measles is not really that dangerous or that scary, and it's not a public health emergency because you don't want to call 911 or you shouldn't call 911, then why are we using it to say it's a public health crisis and an emergency for all of the legislation that they're putting in order? Does that seem weird to you guys too? Because they're literally freaking everybody out in the media, but then they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, by the way, (laughs) don't freak out. (laughs) It's just the measles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You think that's weird? No, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, 
Two-Face? Uh, and then the other thing that I saw is there was a lot of conflicting information in the articles. So one of the things they mentioned was um, how the, there was a school outbreak. Okay, so they said two cases linked to a school outbreak. But then you, the actual uh, British Columbia... Uh, Am I saying that right? British, CDC. Yeah, the British yeah. Columbia CDC, the BC CDC <laughs> spokesperson says um, it, it's linked to school, but it's not happening in schools. Okay. So that's, right. that's somebody else saying that. But then the media article says school outbreak. So everybody's freaking out because they think this is now in schools and all the kids are going to get it. But then the actual CDC rep, uh, the medical director, is saying, um, oh, by the way, this is not in schools. And doesn't that kind of remind you of the Disneyland outbreak? Right, right. Because of the Disneyland outbreak, not one single case was transmitted in any California schools. Not even one. And yet right. it was mandated for school entry. Right. So it's funny. They mandated the measles vaccine, the only place that they had no measles cases and so, transmitted, which, which was ironic. It yeah. is. And I think that the, the term school outbreak is a lot more catchy, if you will, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. get people's attention. They're not going to say not in school, but linked to somebody who's school age. Because basically all they're telling you is it's yeah. somebody who is in the age to be in school. Yeah. And that doesn't really say anything at all. And then the other thing I wanted you to know is that same medical director um, says, sorry, let me go back here. The same medical director for the BC Center for Disease Control says, listen, you guys, this is a direct quote. This is the medical director for their CDC says, she realizes some people are under the false impression that measles vaccine guarantees immunity. <laughs> she said that people yeah. are under the false impression that the measles vaccine guarantees immunity. Hmm. Isn't that what you they've would, been saying it does do? You would never see someone from the United States never. say that. Yeah, no, never. in fact, never in a million years. In these Senate hearings, it works. It's safe and effective. It works. It works. It works. You're literally being promised guaranteed immunity. Um, and the other thing was, uh, in this particular um, uh, situation in Vancouver, 10 out of the 17 are vaccinated. Okay. Right. More than half are vaccinated. Yeah. And yet the article goes on to say, just because there's vaccine failure, or essentially because the vac vaccinated kids are getting it, doesn't mean you shouldn't go out and get your vaccine. Right. This is what they're saying. They're saying that even though it's not working, it doesn't mean you shouldn't go get it. Right. right. I mean, I don't, right. I don't know what better ad policy you'd have for a product. It's not working, but it doesn't mean don't take it. <laughs> and then so um, this is what it says. She says, um, the research suggests that those who are vaccinated and still get the disease have milder symptoms and are less likely to pass it on to others. But Dr. Bob, we know that that's not completely true. It's... Um I, I don't know. I, I guess my mainstream medical thought on on that is, yeah, if you are vaccinated, and if you if you got some very good immunity, I think this is one vaccine that that'll probably prevent you from getting the disease. As we see, it doesn't always. No, doesn't right. Always but work. she's saying if you do get it, right? Yeah, and you're right. I've never seen. I've always seen it where you either catch the disease or you don't. I've not seen data that that show. It'll make the disease milder. Of course, right, there's, right, there, saying, there isn't right. data to or, show or, that. Or less, she less contagious. Less contagious. Yeah, less likely to pass it on to others. No, if you catch the disease, you're thank you. Be, did you just yeah, wake yes, up? I did. 
you're going to be just as likely to pass it on to others if you catch the disease. Yeah, Do you so, see what two bites of right, donut yes. has already <laughs> No, I say yes. that because we yeah. know that New York outbreak, there was a vax, previously vaccinated mm-hmm. woman that passed it on to four other people. So we know that it, you are likely to right. spread it to yes. people. We know for the Disneyland yeah. outbreak, over half, about that 45 to 54% were vaccinated and it passed on to all these other people because they're mostly adults. Um, the idea that this is a milder case, I want to touch on that because the thing that we've seen, now I like to look at data from outbreaks because I mm-hmm. think that's fun. I like to break this down. That's not really his thing. He doesn't really like to to do that, but I like going through Because I know these. all of it oh, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I like going, and we're going to do a podcast on all these different measles outbreaks that have happened over the last 40 years in the U.S. Um, he doesn't know it yet, but I want to do that because it's interesting. The is it, it? it is. I is think it, so. Is because it Facebook Live people, is that interesting? Give us some this? likes. Give me some, okay. give me some blue Go fingers or like red that. hearts if you think <laughs> it's interesting to break down the data of each of these particular okay. measles outbreaks so that we There's can one. see who There's it's about. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. you see? I love it's you like guys. Fireworks. Oh okay. my God, see? Ah, <laughs> yes. Thank uh, you. Okay. Here's why I think this is important. In all of the measles outbreaks we've seen in the United States in the last 40 years or United States territories, okay, in all of those cases, in the outbreaks, we've had a high percentage of adult cases for the most part, unless it's a completely unvaccinated community, which is rare. Even in some of the unvaccinated communities, we've had adult populations. Okay, let's look at the hospitalization rate. This is where it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. In the Washington measles outbreak, we talked about this recently. There were no hospitalizations for children, one hospitalization out of the 60 cases at that time. With the cases where we see adults and previously vaccinated communities, um, and we also see infants under one, the hospitalization rate is between 25 to 33%. That means for the majority of people who have been previously vaccinated, their immunity wears off and they are to catch measles again. We have a high hospitalization rate for that. And it's much higher than what we see in the Amish unvaccinated community and the Washington unvaccinated community. Because even in a, um, the U.S. Federations of Micronesia, I'm getting fancy now, <laughs> these are islands that are near Guam. They recently in 2015 had an outbreak of measles following ours, you know, because this is cyclical. It tends to be global connections here. And they had a, 33, a 33% hospitalization rate. And it was 67% were adults of the cases of all of cases. They had 400 cases. 67, two-thirds of those were adults. Out of the adults, 70% were previously vaccinated. Right. Yeah, and I'm seeing actually some journal articles in foreign medical journals talking about the problems that these vaccinating countries are now having with these adult outbreaks. Right. They're now saying, you know, we, we never anticipated this, but now we're faced with this, this problem of childhood diseases occurring in adult populations because, and the complications they're suffering because of the vaccination program, because adults, you know, never used to catch these diseases because they caught them as kids. So yeah. And it's just, shifting that burden, right? right. right? And, the and disease more and more burden. countries are, are, are beginning to recognize this. And, and then not only that is, um, 
vaccinated people can, if they catch measles, uh, they can have what's called atypical measles, which is kind of an altered version of the disease, which isn't well recognized. So then they might then be contagious to people because they're going around, they don't even know they have measles, and now they're spreading it everywhere because of the vaccination program uh, set up, set up that, uh, that circumstance. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you have to you have to take into consideration when you decide as a society to eliminate a routine childhood infection. It's not just black and white. It's not like that, that disease is now gone and, and we don't have to worry about it. That disease creates a lot of problems, you know, in the, in the, uh, you know, generations that follow because you've tried to alter kind of the natural course of our, of kind of our natural, you know, natural uh, courses of disease in a society and you, you introduce this artificial factor into there and and then it, it tends to not always uh, end up being the most ideal situation for a society in the future so and we and call that's that what we're now facing unintended consequences right, right? right that wasn't the intention of the right. program that wasn't the intention of wiping out a particular disease they thought they were doing so in order to help everyone and it takes generations for us to see how this shows up right. it takes extra generations for us to realize oh my god now we don't have maternal antibodies to pass to our infants and that's why we always see babies under one so this is why it was so interesting in the washington outbreak there were zero babies under one and we're talking about a high-risk group that was completely protected by maternal immunity that was passed on from natural infection right, because, in yeah. the adults. Yeah, because yeah, um, that, that community, a lot of adults had, had caught measles when they were when they were growing. And up, again, right? it's not to say that that's what we should do. We should all go back to that mm -hmm. thing because I don't think that's really a, a realistic. It's never going to happen. I think the whole point is bringing up. Okay, so what circumstance are we in now, or what has this done to the other things? We know with chickenpox, we have that as an un, a lot of unintended consequences with that, and we'll talk about that in a separate podcast. But the idea of just wiping out one disease tends to have dom a domino effect in other areas. Like there are going right. to be some things that go wrong. And I think it raises the question. Should people then have the right to opt out of this artificial immunity program if it's creating problems? And, and you know, should people, you know, have the right to, to uh, accept the risk of, of catching the natural infection and, and enjoying the lifetime immunity from that? And I feel like the answer to that is, is yes, people should have that right. And but, but we're not going to go back as a society. They're not going to eliminate this, no. this vaccination program. You mean like they ingrained. eliminated measles in the year 2000? Right. I know. <laughs> 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 we're so silly. Okay. Um, but the reason I mentioned this, and if you think we're silly, you can give us happy like laughing yeah. emojis because yeah. I'm going to watch those pop up on there, on that screen. <laughs> oh, look at all those loves. Wait, 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 wait. Like, who's funnier? Oh, yeah. Dr. Okay. Bob? Hmm. If it's Doctor Bob, then do okay, do a, yeah, a heart. Some, do a heart. No, do no. Those are half laughing oh, faces. Oh, okay. How what? about this? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay or Melissa if it's, Floyd. If it's me, I'll get I'll get a blue like. Who's those funnier? Are so, those are me. Oh okay. oh, it's it's half and half. Oh, there's happy faces. <laughs> I think we're going to call it a tie, Doctor Bob. Okay, we'll have to. That, that wasn't really a placebo-controlled trial. It's like we were we were both simultaneously getting. Oh, okay. There's plus a lot we were of both laughing that. at the same time. Okay, anyway, so. Right. okay. So the reason I mentioned. Oh, I see blue. I'm loving you guys. Oh, blue, blue. Mwah, mwah, mwah. I love you all. Um, okay. The reason I mention this is that she says if you're going to get vaccinated, you're going to get a milder milder disease that will not transfer to other people. 
There is no proof that you're going to get a milder case unless they're talking about atypical vaccine-induced <laughs> measles, which three of the cases in Washington were listed as measles, and they had to retract that because they were right. actually measles rash due to the vaccine. Right. Um, but this idea of milder symptoms, we heard about that with the flu, right? And, and we broke that down, the idea that severe, you're not going to have a severe case or you're going to have a much milder case. Well, we actually have found out, based on California data, that's not true. We know that mm-hmm. half, around half, and two years ago, more than half of the hospitalization cases and the fatalities from the influenza were previously vaccinated. So you can't tell people... Even though vaccinated people are getting this, don't worry, you still need to get it anyway because you're going to have a milder case. That's not 100% true for many of these diseases. I don't know if it's true for any of them, but we've only specifically looked at things like measles and the flu. And um, I I think that that... I think that qualifies as misinformation, Dr. Bob. <laughs> so don't try to search for that on I Facebook. I think it should be censored. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Amazon, so this is kind of like a what's in the news. This is what we're, okay, we're Facebook right. living. We still haven't told you what today's topic is, or I think you They'll have to listen okay. to the podcast okay, next right. week. Okay, so you guys, we just talked about censorship. I think that is going to go live Monday? Yeah, Monday? yeah hopefully Monday. Okay. Yeah. So... We know that Amazon is one of the companies that has been connected to this idea of preventing certain information that's considered anti-vaccine or vaccine misinformation or whatever. So look at what somebody shared yesterday that I saw. Now, this is from last year, July. So it says Amazon is an online retail giant. Guess what, guys? They're into America's prescription drugs market. It says on June 28th, they bought an online pharmacy called PillPack. This is based in New Hampshire. They bought it for a billion dollars. That when this deal is completed, Amazon will be able to sell prescription drugs to customers in 50 states. So let's think about that. If Amazon is connected to pharmaceutical companies, and we know pharmaceutical companies are connected to censoring of information, Is there a chance, you guys, that Amazon doesn't just believe that there is dangerous misinformation, but they are in Mm. business with people who suffer because of information that has a dissenting opinion? Is there a possibility that there is a conflict of interest here with a large retailing giant who is supposed to be independent, supposed to be neutral, just like Google and just like Etsy and Pinterest, which we talked about? And there's a really interesting podcast with Joe Rogan that just happened that I'm starting to listen to with the CEO of Twitter, and they're talking about this censorship and about the idea that um, <laughs> he's Sorry. clearing his throat. He's trying to not make it but obvious, he but, he, but no. they're on video. They oh, can okay. see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the mic's back on now. He's like, <clears throat> see, I just bought this new mic switch. You can't see it. It's down here. But he's always clearing his throat. I have to clear my throat. You can hear it on the podcast, but now you can't. It's because he eats snacks all the time, so like he starts to have to clear his throat. Anyway, <laughs> you guys, Amazon, pharmaceutical companies, think about that. Is mm-hmm. that why they're trying to keep books and movies and stuff from the streaming and from their retail shop? And is that ethical? Is that ethical? I mean, is that should that be legal that they can do that? They can have a conflict of interest and then be able to decide what information you get? I don't know, you guys. I, I think this is getting everything is getting very muddled. There's a lot of overlap here. And I feel like there's a case here against constitutionally protected rights and conflict of interest. 
I don't know. What do you guys think? Are you think something needs to be done? Let me see some red hearts for something needs to be done about this type of conflict of interest as it relates to major corporations and pharmaceutical companies intervening with places where we're supposed to get our information. It's going to take a second, but they're going to come right. up. Okay. Let me see those hearts. Okay. See, do you see, look at all those hearts. This is what I'm talking about. We're not the only ones who think this is wrong. The American public would think this is wrong too. They just don't know about it. And they're not going to know about it because Facebook's going to keep this kind of stuff from being shared in the future. And isn't that a problem? I really hope something's going to be done about it. But I just wanted to bring that up as what's in the news. Do you have anything in the news you want to share? Um, no. You should I see what's so. <laughs> his crumbs all over <laughs> all over the Senate um hearing testimony. They're like literal crumbs, just no wonder. Well, he I has. tried to figure out where can I place my donut. I, <laughs> just I pla- put the crumbs on well, the table. I, mean, I was looking for something that I could place it on that is worthless and I and oh, I'll yes. be able to throw away. And that was Ethan's testimony. What could be more worthless than the Senate hearing testimony <laughs> yes. that we're gonna go through? I so, agree. Um, anyway. So yeah. we are gonna continue this. Um conversation on our podcast. Our podcast is going to continue rolling while we continue covering the Senate testimony part two. We have a part one we've already recorded. You guys are going to have so many episodes coming up. We are on it in the last, in this next couple of weeks. We are just on it. And anyway, thanks for joining us on Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check out our podcast, The Vaccine Conversation, and our website. Immunityeducationgroup.org. Or dot com. Or .com, sign up for our email list there. So when Facebook, you know, shuts us down, you can stay in contact with us. And we have some exciting IEG, Immunity Education Group, news coming up relating to some, don't tell them, community things that we're going to be doing. I'm sorry, I had something, I don't have that mute button, so I had to clear my throat. (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys for supporting and joining along and joining us on this Saturday morning, and we'll try to do this more often so that you can see us a little bit, and and we will be doing some where we can take live questions. Yeah, we're totally going to do an episode where we won't even have a topic. No topic. And we will just uh, look at your questions and answer them. And We will try to give you advance notice. And and maybe a Saturday like this works well too for most people because they might have another spouse or something that can watch the kids for a second while you dive into this. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will do a QA and a episode live. So get your best questions ready that may be within the next week or two. So it's not going to be long and make sure they are the best questions. We won't be able to answer all of them. We'll just go as we, as we can and we'll try to make it at least an hour so that everybody kind of gets, gets heard in there. Um, Not herd immunity. Heard, heard. You know what's funny? I mentioned my. I mentioned I had a post where, where I said my patience was waning with my children, and I wanted to say like vaccine induced immunity, but but it was just a regular post. It wasn't a vaccine post. But every time I hear the word waning, I can't help yes, but think yeah. of like waning yeah. immunity. I just figured there were mm-hmm. some people on my newsfeed that might not get that joke, and maybe I don't need to make it all the time. But you know, when you're kind of in this all the time, words like heard and waning and that kind of stuff just tend to right or the word like up. correlation. Yeah, correlation, causation, and all that stuff. Anyway, we're signing off. Thank you guys for all of your support, the Vaccine Conversation podcast. Mm, Yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening. And that's me, especially. Like, even me more than him. Like, he sort of appreciates, (laughs) but like, I really appreciate you guys. No, just kidding. We both really love you guys so much. And thanks for watching. And we will see you soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. Get back over here. Okay, yeah. Now I can get back onto my side of the table.
We should keep, well, we're still live on the podcast. Oh my God. Yeah, we are. So So. get back on your side. (laughs) You guys, I'm just so so awful and mean. Okay. So I'll share this just so that we. Pause the podcast or should I just keep it real? This is how we do it, you guys. This is real. Move my donut crumbs over and. Dr. Bob and his donut crumbs. On so, this episode of the Vaccine <laughs> Conversation. So today's episode, yeah, we're continuing with uh, part two of the Senate hearings. We're going to go through uh, more of the testimony and basically fact check the testimony that uh, that was given before Congress so that you, the, you know, the American con- uh, public can know the truth about some of these issues that the, the uh, testimony, the testifiers were raising. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you talking? I was just looking at our yeah. Facebook Live video. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook Live is done. I'm Melissa. sorry. I just wanted to make sure it posted. And it's so funny because now it's backwards. Oh, no. I guess it's the same way it was. Okay. Anyway, thanks, you guys, for, for joining. Look, almost a 1,000 views on that already. So oh, sweet. Cool. that was nice of everybody Yeah. to join us. Okay. Back to our testimony. So we – is that what you were saying? Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about Senator Alexander's <laughs> and Senator Murray's testimony on our last podcast. So go back to that if you want to see that. These are the two senators in Congress who are putting this forward and inviting the five panelists to come and discuss – uh, to discuss this topic. Okay, so like Dr. Bob mentioned, this hearing isn't really for anything. This is not a bill that they are trying to pass. It's essentially just like a public hearing on an issue they think is important. However, it is laying the groundwork for potential future ideas of federal mandates, and it's also helping to strengthen all of the current state mandates that are um, up right now um, that are being proposed right now. So what happens is when the you know the federal government is backing something like this, they use that as ammunition to sort of help um, more, more states vote in accordance with tighter mandates, resu- uh, removing exemptions, and tighter mandates that are introducing things like uh, kids twelve years old being able to get the HPV from their s- vaccine from their school nurse without parental consent. Yeah. So you can just go to your school nurse. And be able to decide whether or not there are risks and benefits, whether or not there's a family history, a medical reason that you might not want to do this. And don't, would you agree, that, Dr. Bob, that maybe a 12-year-old is not completely capable of making the best long-term decision on something as complicated as a medical intervention? Right, absolutely. They're, they're completely not equipped for that. And, and, I mean, basically where that came from, in case you don't know, is they pass laws that say... Any healthcare that has to do with um, sexually transmitted diseases or sexual health that preteens and teenagers are now allowed to to receive such medical care without their parents' consent. That's really where that came from. So that kind of um, medical care includes the HPV vaccine and the hepatitis B vaccine. And no, I, I do not see how a 12-year-old is capable of processing of receiving informed consent for that. I you mean, know, if you're understanding the, the severe side effects, understanding all the possible ramifications, even knowing about them, not even understanding right. them, even knowing who's going to give them that information. You're right. Cause you're the right. Nurse, Cause the school it? nurse is not giving She's this 12 year old a list of possible side effects and, and what to watch for. They're not They're no, and, absolutely or if not. they are, even if they are, a child is not, not 
capable of processing. That. I mean, look at how the driver's license age is, you know, 16 and they're looking at raising that up to 18. Some people even talked about 21 and they're talking about that because they said the long-term ability to understand consequences is not formulated in the brain until the early 20s. The ability for your brain physiologically to understand what consequences are and the consequences of your actions, aka speeding or driving recklessly or some, you know, texting while driving or something like that. Uh, in this case, this is uh, also a very complicated thing. What 12-year-old is going to know uh, how to deal with this? And what 16-year-old would even know necessarily? Like, this needs to be something that has a community involved in helping to understand. Right. And, and, and even worse, uh, I can imagine any 12, 13, you know, 15, 16-year-old person that gets an HPV vaccine or, or goes in and gets a hepatitis B vaccine they're probably not going to tell their parents. That's maybe, true maybe too. Because, because it has to do with sexuality and, and, and sexual behavior. And so you're saying those lines of communication right. now are even going to be more like, this is secretive. This is something I did with my school nurse that I'm not going to tell you exactly. about. Exactly. They're not going to tell their parents. And then, and and then, then what if they have a bad reaction? Right. Then what you know happens? What? You know, the parents are going to be like, what the heck is going on? The parent's not going to know how to intervene quickly enough if they because under- they don't understand there was something that was, you know, right. um, was yeah, a precursor so it's, it's very to this. Problematic, so. this is, and the reason we're mentioning teens is because guess what? On this congressional panel, you guys, there was a teenager. There was somebody in high school selected as one of the five people to weigh in on federal mandates, state mandates, the need for a public health crisis, emergency, all that stuff. You know who wasn't on that panel? Anyone <laughs> who supported informed consent. Anyone who supported formed, informed choice, there were no doctors, there were no uh, nurses, side, researchers, scientists right. on the side that would say, hey, you guys, I don't think this is that that serious, or I don't think this is that big of a deal to be taking away rights, right. or this is not okay, or kids get injured, or nothing. And it's not like we, we didn't try. Our whole movement put forth all the top medical experts or legal experts. And they were blocked um, from what yeah, I've heard yeah, from being and, able and to testify. And that's what basically makes this... Senate hearing a, a total sham, you know, if you're trying to you know, make this look like a, an objective scientific uh, exercise, it was not. It was totally one-sided, and they completely left out um, any opposition. I believe there was one senator who wasn't allowed to, like, be someone who testified, right, but was allowed panel. to, like, offer comments later on kind of in, in, in opposition to this, but no, he wasn't one of the, the primary people allowed to testify. And so it makes it look like all of the people, all of the citizens, the community, all those people, the ones that are all people in support of this, what that makes it seem like is as if there are no people that right. have educated right. arguments against these mandates. And that's just not true. And so Ethan was the last one to go, but because he's first in my packet, let's cover yeah. him. We're and just going to briefly know, I, I, I didn't even read his testimony because like, why would I? I he's, uh, he's not an expert he's on this, you guys. Expert, yeah. but, but although he is an American, he has a right to his opinion. Absolutely, but oh, wait. he does. He so he has a right to an opinion, but the rest of us don't. Right, the rest of us don't. As right. long as it, if it's right. dissenting. Right. Yes. But he was he was basically you know he was just um, you know being used as a, a poster child or a poster young adult as as maybe the the young generation is now rising up against their anti-vaccine parents and wanting to get vaccinated. He probably represents a very small minority of very, a, very of small teen, of American teenagers. But yeah, what, what did you want to say about well, his so, so just, I mean, just the fact that he's a, still in high school was concerning to me. But the first thing he says is, my mother is an anti-vax advocate saying vaccines cause autism. Ding! Bullet point number one. Soundbite. He got it in right in the first sentence. 
Vaccines right. cause autism. I don't really know if his mom really did spend his whole life focusing on how vaccines cause autism or that the vaccines have risks. And for him to throw in vaccines cause autism as the first thing is a complete soundbite to shape this argument. He basically goes on to make it seem like she, you know, she gets her information from Facebook to make her medical decisions and she believes in things that he next sentence have been debunked. Right. Bing! Right, right, Sound I know. By number 2. Right, he says uh brain damage um he says his mom believes uh vaccines cause brain damage. Despite the fact that such opinions have been debunked numerous times by the scientific community, Ethan, I, I, I respectfully will say you are wrong. Yes. The scientific community has, has absolutely 100% acknowledged that, that vaccines, especially the MMR vaccine, does cause brain damage. And if you don't believe me, you can look at my Facebook post from just maybe a week ago where I posted about an American Academy of Pediatrics study put out in 1998 that reported on 48 cases of severe brain damage. Specifically after the MMR vaccine, eight of those, eight of those kids died, and they acknowledged that the timing of their severe you know, brain damage symptoms was, it was about eight days after vaccination which fits with with measles induced encephalopathy and and they acknowledge that that the vaccines are responsible for this and, and not only that you know many uh you know at least 80 children have uh, been compensated by the vaccine injury compensation fund for encephalopathy uh brain damage and um so again Ethan right away you know he he starts off with a completely False scientific statement, misinformation, misinformation. Right. So we're gonna call it out. Hey, I'm yeah. gonna call. I'm gonna start calling yeah. it out. And then he, then he goes. In my entire life, I've gone without numerous vaccines against measles, chickenpox, and polio. Doctor Bob, how did he survive? I know. How did he I have make no idea. it to be somebody who's chosen to speak at this panel? How did he get this far? He's on. Uh, he hasn't gotten those vaccines, and, and he was supposed to die by age three. What happened? Is this just an anomaly? Yeah. Oh, apparently only yes. nobody survives this thing. And then he, um, this is the part I think is sort of like funny and shows, you know, his lack of maturity. He says, it's important to understand as I approached high school and began to th critically think for myself, as I approached high school, what kind of teenagers, you know, are critically thinking for themselves? They're literally covered in hormones. You can't critically think for anything. Like your whole chemistry, your physiological chemistry is not set up for you to be doing critical thinking. It is literally still in survival mode. Um, and he said he started to join his debate team. And this is when he realized that all controversial discussions, there are two sides to the discussion. Huh, are there? Isn't even? that interesting? There's two sides. But this is what he says. There always seems to be a counterclaim or rebuttal in terms of a debate. This may seem true for everything else except for the vaccine debate. Does he say that? Yeah, he says. This may <laughs> seem true does. in all essences, but it's not true wow. for the vaccine debate. Hmm. So he went to, in his debate team, realized that, hey, every complex issue has two sides. Oh my God, Ethan, wow. That's something that hundreds of thousands of us have been saying for so long now. Yes, there are two sides to every complicated issue. But then he goes on to say, this may seem true for all of the things except for vaccines. Right. And, I, and I find that, again, just a sign of his... his ignorance and immaturity on this. And then the last, I'm not going to go through any of the rest of it because it really was, there wasn't much in there, but um, content wise, it was very empty. He did go on to talk about the danger of social media again, ding, pharmaceutical bullet point. And he said that 
his mother's basically misinformed because these are sources that are trying to instill fear into the public for their own gain, knowing the information is incorrect. Right. I don't know a single person doing that. Who's gaining from this? Right. Yeah, none of us gain are, anything do you, from Are it. you gaining? No, no. Oh, are you like totally in good terms with uh, all the medical communities because right. of your, your desire to, to talk about this? Right, and I, and I lose money on every patient who does not vaccinate in that's my office. That's true, too. And I'm, but, you know, I'm, that's, that's... Ooh, we should put together, that. let's put together an actual numbers of what hmm. each patient you're losing, losing per person. Huh. Because if be, you were yeah, following right. the CDC schedule, the amount of money you would have gotten for each of those injections, we're going to do that because okay. I bet that number is probably pretty high. Okay. And that'll also lead to what other pediatricians might be thinking in not doing it or not right. getting people at full compliance levels. Right. And that's one of our, of- that's probably our next uh, episode we're going to record is about why doctors make these decisions, you know, to force vaccinations in their office or to mandate them. So it'll be interesting. So I have to laugh because Ethan does mention misinformation. He talks about that there needs to be concern about addressing misinformation. I can't imagine some 18-year-old saying, I think there's misinformation on the web or there's misinformation on Facebook. Like, come on, dude. And then another senator says to him, you know, where does your mother get her, her information? And he says, uh, mostly Facebook or social media platforms. So he mentions by name Facebook. And then the senator says, and where do you get your information? And his, his kind of attempt to be funny was not Facebook. You know, I go to these websites like the CDC and the World Health Organization, which we talked about last time, is also where we go. So twinning. <laughs> twinning? What? Oh, my God. You're so out of the loop. You see, if you're out of the loop on social media, these old senators that are talking about the need yeah. to regulate it, come on. Okay. okay. So anyway, how about you want to talk about anything with Washington State Health Secretary John Weisman? Yeah. Yeah, I guess um, – a few things that I found uh, interesting. Again, with you know, all due respect to uh, to uh, uh, John Weisman, you know, um, he has a very important job and a very high level position. Um, a few a few things I underlined about his testimony that I thought were uh, kind of uh, I would maybe disagree with. Um, he claims that uh, vaccination has led to increased life expectancy among Americans. There are no data that support that statement. In fact, we're going to talk about how there's actually a, a, you know trends. You know, one of the one of the nations in our world, Japan, is third in life expectancy, and and you know uh, you know worldwide, and like a, or maybe even the first life expectancy, but they're they're like third in child mortality, or, or in prevention of child mortality. But they're one of the least vaccinating uh, countries in in the world. Um, but no, again, uh, uh, Dr. Weisman, he doesn't have any data to support that statement. We don't know if vaccination increases life expectancy. Um, he also says he wants to speak directly to the parents who have children with serious health issues who have shown up to protest the mandatory vaccination bill in Washington state, because that's where he's from. He's seen these, you know, hundreds of families come, you know, to the, to the state Capitol protesting this, this vaccine mandate with their children with serious health issues. Well, first of all, he doesn't acknowledge that these parents feel that their kids have, have serious health issues due to vaccination. Your vaccine doesn't injuries. He doesn't mention yeah, vaccine injuries. He doesn't say injury. their vaccine injuries. Yeah. He just says, yeah, you all show up with your kids with serious health issues. And yeah, we hear you. But we, kudos you know, for I, him for at least acknowledge. He's the only one that would really acknowledge that these people exist. Yeah, yeah. So on one level, and when I first read that, I thought he was talking about all the people who are concerned that 
they're going to get measles. But now that I reread this, I see that they right. were t- you were talking about the people that are parents of vaccine injured kids that are saying, "Hey, I want to be noticed and, and understood and and heard too." Right. It's nice that he was at least addressing them. Yeah, he says, "I, I see your pain." And your desire for answers to your children's health issues. But that, he, yeah, that, that's that, so condescending, I know, though, right? It, it, like, it is. So, so basically, ugh. he's saying, you know, number one, he's saying, all of you parents that have come into my office uh, with a child with autism, I see your pain, but because it's not due to vaccines, right. we need to help you find answers. But he's completely ignoring the families that come through whose children have suffered severe encephalopathy. Things that severe, are not. Yeah, yeah. nerve injury, uh, debilitating uh, conditions and have become you know, permanently disabled or people who have come through whose children have died. He doesn't even acknowledge that vaccine injury exists. He even only though, brings up autism. Right, even though the government acknowledges it exists and the scientific community, uh, community acknowledges it exists, he doesn't, nor does anybody in any of these uh, No, these not once. But not Ethan mentions once. autism. He yeah. mentioned autism. Yeah. So that's two out of two right. so far have mentioned vaccines don't cause autism. Right. E- even though there's this entire vaccine adverse events reporting system, I am floored that, what is it, like five health experts testified through this entire hearing and uh, and not even one of them mentioned this huge government program that we have that collects data on all vaccine adverse events not one of them not even a single single acknowledgement that adverse events happen which i find very concerning yeah and and um also one thing i thought was kind of interesting is they what does he ask the, What is he asking the federal government for? Funding. Right. He actually goes right. into money. We need more funding to prevent these things. He asks for yeah. the CDC's budget to be increased by twenty two percent. Right. For the CDC, and 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 this is what he's saying is, and I want to know this. I don't, he said so far this outbreak has cost the state a million dollars. I want to know where that money. We're not talking about hospitalizations, so they can't use that. Where's all this money coming from? What was it? What's it costing everybody? Well, it's costing the state a lot of money. To, well, that's a good question because you know the public health department has all their employees, all mm-hmm. their workers, and and you know they're they're working anyway. So if they have to go out and kind of help contain a measles outbreak, but what are they doing? Going putting up a paper notice somewhere? Well, yeah, yeah, they're 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 interviewing families who are exposed. They're asking families to quarantine. They're, you know, they're kind of helping to contain the disease, but we have all these employees anyway. They're just kind of doing their job. Yeah. Do they have to hire a few part-time employees to help? It can't help? be a million dollars worth. It I can't mean, be. can't be. And one kid was hospitalized. One adult. One adult was yeah. hospitalized. That would not have cost For a overnight, dollars. just one night right. stay. So it's not like it was like a right. two-week right. or three-week yeah, thing. Yeah, so that's a good question. Where is this, where is this million dollars be- being spent? Because have you seen that other – I always see the financial burden of these measles outbreaks because they try to put it as not only is it a public health crisis, but it's a financial burden. Uh, did you see the article shared yesterday in, uh, about the boy with tetanus and yeah, uh, yeah, $800,000 yeah. bill because he had a 52-day stay in yeah. the hospital or something? Yeah. Um, and so they, because the kid didn't die, they're going to make it about money. Right. If he would have died, right. it wouldn't have been about the eight hundred thousand dollars. If he would have died, it would have been about look, a kid dies now. People need to get vaccinated. But they're continuing to put this point of this 
burden of people. Well, how much does it cost for somebody who is a drunk driver or who hits somebody yeah, and those people yeah. have to go in the hospital and there's, I'm sure, more than $800,000 worth of medical care. Like Nobody's talking about that, but they're making this a financial burden uh, in a way that I think is really interesting. So he, yeah. he goes on to talk about needing funding. Yeah, and he says, he says one thing that other people echo, and at the end of this, I'm going to sort of say what I think about all these people saying the same thing, that... Um, Without increased funding, we cannot afford to develop new ways to reach parents with information. And then there's this, uh, there's going to be this new drive. How do we reach parents with new information and one-sided information yeah. in the vaccine, uh, you know, on, on vaccines so we can get more compliance? Um, well, he said he wants a national campaign spearheaded right, by the CDC right. that counters anti-vaccine yeah, messages. And, and then this is awesome. Counters vaccine anti-vaccine messages similar to the successful Truth Tobacco campaign, which is uh, actually uh, yes, yeah, successful Truth Tobacco prevention campaign. So I don't know why he went there. It's very interesting. I, I know just the mention of tobacco. Right, because right, what he's basically saying is, when we figured out how dangerous tobacco was, we started spending lots of federal money in educating everybody how dangerous tobacco was. And, and the, the, you know, the, what he calls the Truth Tobacco Prevention Campaign, um, it was hugely successful. Now, let's rewind 50 years. What did the federal government and the medical community used to say about tobacco? It's totally safe. Yeah. It's good for you. Everybody needs to smoke. There's nothing wrong with it. And then what happened? Some people started getting harmed. Parents started saying tobacco is bad for, for us. People started dying of lung cancer. They started saying um, uh, tobacco is harming people. And what did the tobacco industry do? They went into this huge PR mode saying, huge. no, tobacco is great. It's, it's, it's perfectly safe. Put out it's, different we, studies saying right. that's not true and right, right. Sort of debunking. Exactly. So now yeah. people, people consider now tobacco science as a way to, to point to shine a light on when a when a big company is using their influence, their financial influence, to influence science, influence law and policy and government and public perceptions. But it's interesting that that this uh, you know this this uh, doctor would actually use that same whole kind of argument, but turn it around and say, no, we actually put out the truth about the dangers of tobacco right. and everyone stopped using tobacco. After decades of people hiding that information, right, right, right. including so government kind of, officials. It's very, and, very, fa that, that really fascinated me. Um, yeah. And, um, and yeah, so, you, and you can see these transcripts, I right. think on C-SPAN, if you want to look through and see. Right. What then he also said. says, everyone has a right to live in a community free of vaccine preventable diseases. And what he's excluding, again, completely denying, is I, I feel like everyone also has the right to not have to suffer from a vaccine injury and has have the right to say no to a medication that can cause a vaccine injury. But apparently no one here believes that that is a, but uh, a right. outside of an injury, what if the disease, that just because we have a vaccine for it, is not serious enough to not want to get it? Right, right. Like, what if you would rather catch chicken pox and get the lifelong benefits of that. I mean, yeah, because instead you're going to be forced to get the vaccine. Yeah, because he's ignoring the fact that we should all be free of vaccine preventable diseases, and that's right, right. like that global right. And that's a great question. About. Should we all be free of vaccine preventable diseases? I mean, what makes vaccine preventable diseases more important to be free from than just all other diseases? And why do we have to be right. free from all of them if our right. chances of getting them are very rare? Or I mean, I mean, some mild? if some of them benefit us, or some of them are mild. 
Uh, is it the right choice to, to be free from all of them? But plus that list, just since the time I was a kid till now, has increased so much. So, so a vaccine-preventable disease is anything on the CDC schedule that's recommended, right. or technically, right. it's anything that has a vaccine for it. Right. Because it's a disease that has a vaccine. So our entire community has to be free from all diseases where they've invented a vaccine, is what he's saying. Yes. And that's somebody's choice to say, hey, we've made one. Not that you really need it, but we've made one, so therefore you have to get it. I mean, that seems... Right. I mean, we know now that that um, it's actually healthier for uh, for babies and children to grow up in a non-sterile environment, mm-hmm. to go outside and play and get dirty, to be exposed to the natural healthy germs. And then sometimes that includes an infectious disease. And, and we know in the long run, in a lot of ways, that's healthier for us. Yet the government is now saying, no, we, we believe it's actually healthier to, to make sure nobody ever again catches any of the vaccine preventable diseases. I mean, yeah, sure. You don't want to catch meningitis. Mm-hmm. You, you maybe you don't, you don't want to catch polio. You don't want to catch tetanus. Yeah. But is it true for all of those diseases? No, it's not true. And is it true that every single person sh- it should be mandated all the several doses for all those people? Right. Cause I was thinking about this n- now is that <laughs> um, I'm getting the rushed look from Dr. Bob. Well, no, 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 um, sorry. I just, I was oh. thinking about this and I and I commented on a post I did about antibiotics, which we'll talk about. But just the fact that like my son would have by now gotten 39 doses um, by his age, mm-hmm. according to the CDC schedule. But he didn't. He in his case, he actually he hasn't had any. Um, he's vaccine free. Um, my my older daughter is vaccinated, and I'm thinking. He's totally fine, never sick, super healthy, but yet according to these, you know, laws, according to what they they deem necessary, he should have had 39 doses of something just to get him to this point where he is without any problems. Right. And that's additional doses. So, you know, maybe there are some things we want to look into maybe getting later, but but on top of that, he would have had plus the 39 doses already in his first 2 years. Um, and that should be something that people are a little bit concerned with because as soon as they recommend it, it becomes that recommendation turns into a requirement. And there are ways to get through life, as Ethan has shown us, without needing to get certain doses of certain things. You can still survive and be healthy. And right. I just wonder where this idea of requirements and that we should never have a vaccine preventable disease, where that what's that going to look like? In the future, as more vaccines pop up, and should anybody get to decide that my son needed 39 doses, he's totally healthy, disease-free, and no conditions, nothing, uh, why would we have wanted the 39 doses unless it was to get him to this point? But if he can get to this point without that, and we're not, again, living in the 1900, you know, 1900, we're right. not living in a third world country, every situation should be totally customized, I think, to the place that you live, to the circumstances in which you live, and what diseases are around you around that place. So I, I was just, it kind of hit me the other day, like, oh my God, my kid was supposed to have all this by now. And, but he didn't, but he's, he's totally fine. Uh, but that's a lot of doses. I mean, 39 doses is more than any of us had in our full adulthood right. that he would have already had just by two years old. Well, we should probably 
pause here, you know, because I think we're going to probably have to have a Senate hearing part three. That's a great idea, right, Dr. Right. Bob. I know, isn't it? Isn't it brilliant? <laughs> um, Donuts make you smart. <laughs> <laughs> Studies say. <laughs> Science says. Science really is settled. Yeah, so, All right, so thank you guys for joining us on the Vaccine Conversation and tune in for our next episode. It will be Senate part three, Senate testimony part three. Right. And don't, well, don't forget to rate and review us as always. And I may sign up for our email list. You know, I like to push my push that as, as Melissa rolls her eyes every time. And make so. sure to sing along with the song at the end. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I got the nicest message from someone who said their eight-year-old was actually singing that song to themselves uh, in the morning because they had heard, overheard when the mom was listening to the podcast and they were singing that song. I'm like, oh, that's my song. Oh, that's, that's so, so sweet. That okay, really so I'll whistle. Happy. I'll, I'll like, uh, whistle that song to myself yeah. sometimes. All right, well, enjoy. Later. Thanks for Talk tuning in, guys. Talk to you guys later. Guys. See you later. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.